This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our third summer episode. We are in the midst of the summer transfer window. We've got all sorts of stuff going on, kind of enjoying the off-season break. I don't know about you, Alex. How are you feeling? I love and I hate it because it's kind of relaxing and full of excitement due to, you know, hoping for some signings and actually, you know, some some players being offloaded. But at the same time, it's there's no Everton playing, so there, there's definitely a drawback to it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like the summer is always for, well, in recent times, I guess, the summer transfer window has been kind of not the highlight of the season, but it's certainly uh, exciting because you have the the ongoing eternal prospect of us doing something really exciting. And then we make a couple of good signings and going back, let's see, what was the, it was the out of content. We retweeted it on the Twitter. Like someone from a few years ago tweeted, like whoever our center forward is, is going to have Sigurdsson, <laughs> Klassen, and I can't remember. And Rooney. Rooney. Rooney, all feeding him, the feeding him the ball. He's going to score for fun. And I remember feeling that way. Like when we made those signings, the the level of optimism was so, so high. It was like we had a good year under Ronald Koeman. Things were starting to take off. And then it just ultimately just collapsed. And we're going to get into actually Ronald Koeman had some interesting comments in a little bit. But the big news of the day being skipper, captain, loyal servant to the club, Phil Jagielka has announced that the club have officially decided not to give him a contract extension. And after 12 years, he'll be departing Everton. A really sad day, a good time to reflect on all of his his important contributions over the years. And um, Alex, where are you at on Phil Jagielka? I know you were optimistic about him getting another extension. I wasn't quite in the same boat as you, but how are you feeling? Honestly, it's just super disappointing. It was, it's been like really busy at work. So I haven't been able to do my, my normal tweeting and interacting and, and FBI snooping on all things Everton during my work day, you know, getting paid for it. But uh, the one time I got to check my phone today during work, I pull it up and I see Jagielka has, you know, is officially leaving. And I'm like, well, that does not, that, that doesn't get me going. And, you know, kind of back to your point about being so excited about Klassen and Sigurdsson and Rooney being all in the same, same squad, you know, on top of the fact that Phil Jagielka is leaving, one of the, one of the worst things about transfer windows can also be that, you know, you have this player that you're so excited about and they, you know, end up flopping. That's almost worse than just not signing a player and not being optimistic, if that makes sense. <laughs> Sandro, <laughs> Sandro. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. There's always, there's a rumor swirling and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And Phil Jagielka has been just such a staple of the Everton team for so long that it's going to be very, very strange to have him not be a regular in the squad and have a, uh, and probably a couple new faces I'd imagine at center back next year. But in my opinion, I think it's it's sad and it's it brings back all kinds of, you know, nostalgic emotions and we'll always remember his screamer equalizer at Anfield in the Derby. That will probably be the lingering memory of Jagielka, but just a really solid, hardworking, dedicated leader in the locker room for many over a decade. And you you just can't understate how important that is in a in a football culture where players move on after a couple of years and they never really seem to, a lot of players don't really buy into the the club, the clubs that they're at. They're always sort of 
we're so used to being Everton players who buy, who are, are always looking for that next move. They see us as a stepping stone. And Phil, Phil Jagielka couldn't have been more the opposite, where he really embodied what this club is all about. And it's going to be sad to see him go. And it's, and in my opinion, just replacing his presence in the locker room is probably the biggest obstacle that we face, rather than maybe his presence on the pitch. And now that his, I mean, thirty-six years old, by far, you know, well into the twilight of his career. But I still think that there's there's um, there's a lot that needs to be done as far as keeping the culture alive when he's gone. Absolutely. I am still of the opinion that he could 100% play a role as the fourth center back because we do have Keane, Mina, and Holgate. So what that tells me is most likely the club at least have um, a fourth center back lined up to bring in this summer, or they feel very confident about it. I don't think that it's that it's really a coincidence that Baines was offered a, a one-year extension a couple weeks ago and he hasn't responded to it yet. I don't think, and and we'll get into that, you know, in a little bit more detail in a while, but I don't find that to be a coincidence because, you know, you see Phil Jagielka leaving after such a long time and and Baines was signed in the same window, if I'm not mistaken, along with Stephen Pinar. Stevie P. And, you know, Baines might be looking and thinking, you know, is it my time as well? I understand a lot of people talk are saying, you know, Baines could easily go to the MLS. You probably have quite a few offers, but nonetheless... My point, my overarching point is there's a positive to take from it. And I'm I'm going to compare him, him being Phil Jagielka to Tim Howard and the way that Tim Howard departed. Tim Howard hit a terrible slump in form. And really, I mean, he went out on a pretty sour note, right? Like overall, the send-off was happy and, and everyone was grateful. And, and I don't think there are any hard feelings, but for a good while, he was getting a lot of grief for how poorly he was playing. And yet Phil Jagielka, luckily, he never had that that fall from grace. He had a lot of injury issues, or he had injury issues this season, along with the red card, not being able to force his way back into the squad or, or the, the 18. Um, but I think overall, I know he doesn't like the decision, or I'm pretty sure I know that, James. I think that it, it's, it's a positive thing in a sense that everyone is only ever going to have fond memories of him, and that's a good thing. Yeah, it was just kind of just worked out kind of nicely where he was able to fill a necessary role for us as a as a squad player, as a role player coming in when he needed to. And he came in in a, in a couple of games and had some really nice performances last year. Very clearly, he wasn't capable of being an, a week-in, week-out player. And I am going to still disagree with you that I think that he is still up to the caliber that we need at center back. What's interesting is, well, firstly, this is a little off topic, but it's all has been radio silent as far as Kurt Zuma is concerned. So that looks less and less likely as time goes on um, with Chelsea looking to make moves. But I, you compare him to Tim Howard. I'd like to compare him to to the Wayne Rooney signing, which is a little bit different context. But I think it just reflects an overall change in the attitude of the club under Marcel Brands, where we're not looking to be sentimental. We're looking to, at pragmatic signings. Does Phil Jagielka staying another year until his 37th birthday really uh, make us a better club? And I think if we have an appropriate replacement lined up, then the answer to that question is just no. Whether or not, you know, all of his contributions to the club over the last decade plus aside, we just need to keep improving. And and I think him out the door and bringing in a younger player who's on the upward trajectory of their career rather than on the downward trajectory is just really important overall for for the squad to continue to to improve and be where we need to be and not remain stagnant. Okay, James. So 
something we have not addressed, right? We're losing Phil Jagielka, the center back of 12 years at Everton, but we're also losing Phil Jagielka, the captain of Everton. So with that, who do you think is the primary captain next season? And and let's assume in this question that Baines does agree to his one-year extension. Well, then, it, right, it's Baines and Coleman. It's the remaining two. I said primary. Kind of- I said primary. Okay, that's a good point. Well, then I think it's Seamus Coleman because I don't expect Leighton. I think Leighton Baines re-signing would be under clear clear mandate that he's to be the backup to Luca Dean. I mean, obviously, he's not going to start him week in, week out. Whereas I think Coleman still has a, a very realistic chance of competing for the for the first right back position. Obviously, it's his to lose depending on if we sign anyone, if John Joe Kenny leaves. So it's Coleman's job. Um, but Michael Keane maybe as a backup. It's really hard to pick another player like Gilfie Sigurdsson, Tom Davies, like players that you don't, I mean, they've obviously both capped in the side uh, in spots, but that position is so important. And it's something I think Everton have really kind of, all the things Phil Jagielka did really well, I I still don't really know if he was like the vocal captain that you see a lot of other clubs have and that maybe Everton need. That's fair to say. I think, I think you're spot on. It's it's going to be Seamus, right? Because to be honest, and this is kind of getting down into the rabbit hole, but even if let's say Baines and Coleman were both starting on the pitch this coming season, Baines has always been the type of player. I think even at one point he kind of said that he doesn't really have a desire to be the primary captain, hence why he was always secondary, other than the fact that just Jagielka had earned it and, and did a good job with it. And so I think I think Seamus keeps it that way. Um, I, In my opinion, Tom Davies or Sigurdsson would be my second choice. Michael Keane, I mean, not really sure a leader, you know, organizes his defense, but but nonetheless, I think that he's going to be sorely missed and it's really going to be, it's going to feel like FIFA three or four years down the line in your career mode in which you come out like opening day and you just have all these random faces and you're like, all right, I'm not really playing with Everton anymore. That's what this season I think is going to feel like, unfortunately. Yeah, coincidentally enough, that's kind of where I'm at with my FIFA career <laughs> right now. Um, but but yeah, I agree. It, it is hard. There, it just doesn't seem like we have that clear cut leader. And, and Coleman obviously like embodies the club so well and is such a hard worker. But I just don't know if he has that like ruthlessness about him that you need from a captain, where you're gonna get into the face of the ref when he needs when it needs to be done, or or get in someone's shirt and like grab them and say, you know, you need to be here X, Y, Z. Personally, I just like the idea of a center back being captain because I just think that the, the notion of having like a field general who is in the behind everyone, but, but can see and get everyone in the right positions. I just think that that kind of, that position lends itself really well to the captaincy, but based on what we have in front of us, I I don't see any of the current center backs fulfilling that role all that well. Well, to be fair, uh, Mason Holgate shoved Firmino over the, uh, over the uh, whatever it is, the little little barricade True. to the stands. True. So Holgate, I mean, Holgate maybe that Canada. guy. Maybe that yeah. guy. <laughs> Nonetheless, he needs to get. In, yeah, he needs to get in the first team squad before anything else. Ah, uh, he will be. Don't you say that. He only went to West Brom to get starting minutes. He'll be back. Uh, but nonetheless, speaking of center backs, the less popular news today, in terms of just just visibility is that Matty Folds has signed a one-year extension for the U23s. He is 21 years old. He's a center back, and he's been a regular in the U23 side. If you remember, he actually came to Everton, um, I believe, winter, like early January 2016. So he's been here a while. And at that point, he was very highly touted. Yeah, at 21 years old, that's just kind of the, that's the ideal time frame where you really need to be either asserting yourself 
on the fringes of the first team or looking to get a loan. So for me, a one-year extension doesn't exactly scream out that it's a ringing endorsement from the management of the club. It's kind of just like a a trial almost uh, to see where he's at. If he was really kind of in the future plans, I'd expect to see probably like a four or five-year extension. Um, but, But regardless... I mean, reload on the U23s, keep everyone, and hopefully defend that uh, U23 title. Well, maybe it, maybe it has to do with kind of what you said. You know, you, you mentioned right now, 21 years old, he's been in the U23 setup and won a couple couple titles. It's the perfect time for him to get a loan. Maybe it's only a one-year extension because that's them saying, you know, fight for your spot to get into the first team at Everton or to get yourself a loan and prove yourself. Or at this point, you know, we're going to stop investing in your development almost. Yeah, I think that that's probably fair to say. I think that's kind of just on the cards. Yeah, one year, like this is it, do or die, prove yourself or you're off. And again, that's just a good attitude to have for for youth players. Like if you're not good enough by 21, 22, you're probably not going to be good enough by 23, 24. And there are obviously exceptions to that. But I think that more often than not, when you when you don't see players breaking through by that age, then it's kind of just too late almost. Yeah, but nonetheless... With all that negativity that I spouted, I do hope that he's able to, whatever their plans are for him this year, which I don't think include having him plan the U23 squad, I hope that it pans out. And and, and lastly, in terms of just official Everton news, Jank Tosin, we hadn't spoke about this before, James, but Jank Tosin was injury injured when playing with Turkey, I believe, uh, last week or over the weekend. And it was it was rumored that it was an ACL tear or an MCL tear, but it came out and they said it will not, he will not require surgery. However, he's going to be at Finch farm recovering. I don't think, I pretty much think it's going to be near impossible for us to offload him this summer. And that certainly seems to be what's, what's happening right now, right? There's a lot of links to him going back to Basictus. I saw one today that was saying he was willing to take a substantial wage cut in order to return, but there's also conflicting reports saying that he loves it at Everton, that he wants to stay and fight for his place, which is honestly more in character from what we've seen um, when he first came to Everton, I remember reading about when he was at Besiktas and how um, how hard he worked. He wasn't the first choice striker, and he just worked and worked and worked, and finally asserted himself and made him made him impossible not to be picked. And I think he kind of wants to do the same thing at Everton. Maybe deep down, I think he believes that he can work hard enough. I just, from what we've seen, I just don't really have faith that that that's that his ceiling is high enough where he can become our first choice striker. A good, useful squad player in certain situations, but I agree. Like this injury definitely doesn't help his case as far as getting rid of him. Um, and, and of course, that's the overall theme: is that we have so many players that we need to get rid of, and we need to bring in strikers. So, depending on, I guess we'll find out as in the coming weeks how severe the injury is. Um, if it is in fact a relatively serious ACL ligament type injury. I can't see any club really wanting to take a risk. And furthermore, I can't see us willing to to deduct enough off of his price to get rid of him with the injury considerations. Yeah, that's fair to say. And and I really do like Cenk Tosin as a person and even as a player too. He's kind of he's kind of intuitive and creative with how he, you know, plays as a professional just because as we mentioned so many times before, he doesn't have that one characteristic that allows him to exploit a weakness. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the pace. And so with that, he kind of has to be a jack of all trades and and, and be decent at all of it in order to exploit maybe this, this weakness in this situation or that weakness in this other situation. So nonetheless, I have no idea. I think it's, it's going to be a, a 
decently substantial amount of time because even with an injury that's three or four months, then it's going to take him a couple months to get fit again. At that point, the squad will be in full swing during the, the regular season. But nonetheless, I guess we'll find out. It'll be an interesting summer for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, whether he knows it or not. Yeah, big summer coming up for, for the squad all around, for our strikers, and of course, all the best to Chinktos, and he really does seem like a very good guy, and uh, we wish him, hopefully he gets well very soon. Moving on now, we've got some very interesting comments Ronald Koeman has been spouting off about his time at Everton, speaking about his specifically his sacking, um, and he essentially said he thought that it was too fast. The season was, his first season went really well. The second season, we had Europa League considerations that started in the middle of the summer. We brought in so many new signings, couldn't really acclimate. And then on top of that, we played all of the big six within the first several games. And of course, that was sort of his downfall where we just on this abysmal run of form, absolutely shellacked. Um, I believe it was by Arsenal, which led to his eventual sacking and he just talks about the expectations of the fans and the club and how difficult it is when when we're looking to push for the big six. And then we have what we have. What we what we had at that time was a very disjointed squad with a lot of unbalanced issues. I don't know, Alex, what do you make of Ronald Koeman's comments when you reflect on how it felt to be a fan of Everton at that time when he was in charge? It was awful, right? I mean, that's just, that's yeah. it. It was awful. But- I will say that that his comments tell me one thing, and that is, I don't think you know, you know, I don't think he was on the same page with Steve Walsh on the the transfer strategy as a whole that summer. Because not only did he mention the sheer amount of players, right, and he, but he talked about he talked about the the workload being, you know, as you said, Europa League middle of the summer, and the fact that we had the all of the top six in the first nine matches. And hindsight is twenty twenty. But I'm more inclined now to say that he was probably sacked too quick just because I found out what that gave us and that gave us a uh, big fat Sam. Totally. I, I think it agree in hindsight 2020, it does. If we had known that we'd be stuck with Sam Allardyce for half a season, I think most fans would have said, all right, let's give Kuman a chance. Unfortunately, I think there were a couple things that contributed to his decline. And of course, this has already been dissected a lot. Not by us specifically, because we didn't start the show until obviously this season. But just the way that he spoke in the media, he never really came across as really understanding the club. He came across more as like wanting to make excuses. And he just has a very Dutch mindset where he's very kind of pragmatic and not very warm or, or he wasn't, he's not the manager that Marco Silva is. He's not a man manager. He's not someone to to bond with the players. And I think that partially was his downfall. Obviously a great defender in his time and and has a lot of knowledge about the game, but he just didn't, it didn't ever really feel like a good fit at all. And I do think he was sacked too early, especially, you know, you look at, of course, Big Sam coming in, but then you look at this season where if we had sacked Marco Silva after the terrible run mid-season, which a lot of fans were calling for, who knows where we'd be now? And it just takes, sometimes it just takes that perseverance of being like, okay, we're in a tough run of form, and but we trust that you're the guy to get us out of it. And while I think the board and I think the locker room as well had faith in Marco Silva, it just never really felt like they had that same faith in Ronald Koeman. You know, and that turning point in which out of nowhere in the spring, we just started performing like crazy, beating quote unquote big six side after big six side, it almost made that terrible run in the winter worth it almost not quite but almost 
and it makes me really excited for the season to come. And I'm hoping that this is the first time in a good while for Everton in which the second season for our manager is better than the first. Yeah, I am on board. And, and it's kind of just like we'll never really know what would have happened had we stuck with Kuman. Besides the fact we would have been never had to endure the phrase Sam Allardyce, Everton manager. And that's for until he takes his next job. If he ever takes another job, that's going to be kind of what he's known as. And he'll be spouting off in the media. Luckily, now that the results towards the end of the season kind of speak for themselves, he's gone back into hibernation, eating whatever it is that he eats gravy, slurping it up. So uh, good riddance to him and long, long live the reign of Marco Silva until things turn south, which hopefully they won't. Don't jinx us. Never. There's been reports about a young Argentinian central defensive midfielder named Santiago Sosa. He is he plays for Argentina U20s. He's pretty much a mainstay in that side. They're, they've been playing, or he's been playing for the Argentina U20s uh, currently in this, this summer, and he plays at River Plate professionally. Now, he is, I think he's 20 years old or 19 years old, but he only has four first-team appearances for River Plate, and that is obviously last season. A first-tier Argentinian source have said that it's pretty much confirmed that Santiago Sosa is coming to Everton, and then his dad in the media also said the same thing. However, Alan Myers, Big Al, said that he highly doubts it happens. Alan Myers, tier, whatever's above one, put Alan Myers up there. The god, Alan. I don't know what to make of this. It's a for me, it seems like we talked about it, I believe in our first summer episode, we kind of mentioned it in passing because those were one of the, it was actually one of the first rumors that kind of surfaced. For me, it's a young player. Apparently, he's very well regarded. When Marcel Brands went to South America to scout the the South American Championships, the Youth Championships, apparently he's touted as the next big thing. For 15 million to sign a player with only four first team appearances, you have to see something that's pretty convincing, a lot of potential. Um and so for me, if, if Marcel, I, we've got, give Marcel Brands a blank checkbook, do whatever he needs to do, because every move he's made thus far has worked out magnificently. It is interesting to think about where he would fit in. Does he go into the youth setup? Does he go immediately out on loan? How does that all work out? Because having barely played in the Argentinian league, there's no way that he can come right into the first team. Do you think? No, I don't think so. You know, others were saying this fee that's been reported, which is I think like 15 million euros or something along those lines is just far too high to spend on a U23 player, which I I think I agree with. And furthermore, other people have mentioned that, you know, smoke and mirrors work permit thing. Although we saw Funes Mori never had an issue coming from River Plate and getting work permit immediately. So it's just all up in the air. I'm still kind of excited about the, the, the prospect of signing Santiago Sosa because you know, the South American market is exactly where we expected brands to kind of scour and excel in. So I think it'll be exciting, but I guess we'll have to wait and see because Alan Myers, as you said, Big Al kind of crushing our dreams here. For, for me, just one last word on Sosa for now. No. I hate, I hate the work permit thing. I just hate it. I hate the fact that you can sign a player and then may not even qualify to play for you. Obviously, Onyakuru is kind of the main example right now who we're struggling with. It's just very frustrating where you can have this immense talent, which I think Onyakuru is and, and presumably Sosa is with all the accolades that have been thrown his way. I want to sign players who can actually freaking play for us. That's all I care about. And so if we can get a work permit, get it sorted, and, and we see something in him coming up 
in a couple years, he could be a first team mainstay, maybe a replacement for Adrisa Gay. I say do it. But if there's any question about his eligibility to play in the Premier League, just pass it up. Find someone else. There's got to be somebody. That's where I'm at. I'm just sick of like the work permit thing. And that's that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, I think Brands is smart enough not to to take a swing at it if he doesn't feel absolutely certain that it'll work out that way. So I'm sure or or at least a concrete path to getting a work permit in the next year, you know, if he only needs X amount of appearances or or whatever else. Our last piece of speculation today, James, Andre Gomez. All the Everton fans have felt, or it's felt like a lot of the Everton fans have been pretty optimistic, pretty confident at the prospect of signing Andre Gomez. Gomez seemed to really enjoy his time at Everton this last season. However, there have been reports about over the last couple of weeks about Spurs being interested in Gomez, which, you know, was kind of disheartening. And there were a lot of reports claiming that West Ham have submitted a couple bids to Barcelona for Andre Gomez. However, as of the last couple of days, it is they're now being or it's now being claimed that Spurs ended their interest and West Ham are pulling out as they expect Everton pretty much have it done. Can I just say all of the Andre Gomez rumors just stink to high heaven. And you mentioned this in our last episode when we discussed it. Stink to high heaven of Barcelona looking to drum up rumors and spread misinformation, quote unquote fake news, trying to get us to overpay for Andre Gomez. The player wants to come here. We want him to come here. They want to get rid of him. And they're trying to convince us that West Ham are coming in bidding like 15, 20 million for this player in a serious effort to sign him. That just does not seem believable to me at all. If you're West Ham and you're competing with Everton to sign Andre Gomez, you have to come in with some heat. You better bring the fire. You better bring the cash moolah and and come to the table like you're actually trying to play ball and not try to spend 20 million when, you know, it's it's readily apparent that Barcelona want 30 and I think we want to bring the price down and it just seems like they're trying to to spread all these these lies and whether or not Spurs were actually interested, it would actually make a lot of sense if they were, but there was never any formal bid lodge, so the, the validity of those rumors is a, is up in the air as well. I just think it's all kind of a Barcelona conspiracy, and I don't really buy it, and I think that we're going to get Andre to come, and he's going to be very happy to be here for like 23 to 25. Yeah, I agree. And the, the most exciting part about that is imagine how well he can do next season after having an entire preseason with the squad and starting from the beginning without you know without the injury. Yeah, we know what we've seen him at his best and we've seen him at his mediocre and even at his mediocre. He's a very, very useful player and a player that will do great things for Everton slotting into a midfield. It's looking like we're going to be able to retain basically everyone. There haven't really been a ton of key players that have been linked away. Richarlison has denied any or rejected any kind of speculation that he'll be going to Barcelona or Manchester United, which is kind of obvious. You bring in, we keep those players and we bring in a couple more and we're going to be looking at an, a phenomenal squad that has already that chemistry built up from a year of playing. And that is exactly what we wanted from Mark, Mar, Marco Silva and Marcel Brands' first season was to build the foundations of a squad, build on top of that foundation, keep putting the pieces together. And I think that the puzzle and the picture is really starting to take shape and we're really, I'm really, really optimistic for it. Sign Andre Gomez, get it done, but don't overpay. 
if Bars and we know Marcel Brands is a shrewd negotiator. If they're trying to they're trying to highball us, and the player wants to come here, and and it doesn't seem like there are too many other clubs interested, but I'm sure that there are that maybe just haven't become public. He's I think he's set on coming here. There are rumors rumors that his friends quote unquote, which is so vague and like I don't buy it, but his friends have said that he wants to come. I just think it's clear he wants to be here. We want him get it done. And to be honest. Andre Gomez is the type of player that, or even Luca Dean, really, those are the types of players that even if you asked me last summer, I would have told you that we were dreaming of signing them. Even seeing the pictures of them in a blue shirt, you know, after deadline day, because those are the types of players, and I'm going to be honest with you, as of last season, sorry, well, I guess two seasons ago now, Everton had no right to sign. So with the way the business has been has been done and the fact that these players are, are very happy here says that we are on a, a very good track. Now, to wrap things up, James, another somewhat heavy topic, talking about players being happy and, and, and making sure we really round out this squad to start the season off the way we really want it to start. Baines, as we talked about earlier, was given a one-year extension, but he hasn't accepted it yet, and it's been a while. Anthony Robinson was interviewed, I think, by one of the guys at Liverpool Echo this week, and he talked about how while he was on loan, Marco Silva was constantly in contact with him, telling him what he was doing well, what he needed him to improve upon, and Anthony said that he expects that he could be given a chance this coming season at Everton. So with those two pieces of information, what do you think will happen and then conversely, what do you what do you want to happen in terms of of how that le- second left back spot shapes up and 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 what happens to the other person? There's kind of there's sort of three scenarios as far as Leighton Baines is concerned that I can see playing out. He either leaves to go to a lower Premier League side slash Championship side and where he would slot into the first team, I think with no issues. Still has a lot about him, a very good player. I don't want to see Leighton Baines leave. I want to see Leighton Baines stay. He's actually apparently in America right now on vacation with his family. The second scenario I could see would be him departing for MLS. And I think Wayne Rooney actually, when he was he was over here on quote unquote vacation, where he actually ended up negotiating with DC United and making the move. If he makes the move, it opens up that that backup left back spot for Anthony Robinson to slot in. Now, is that that is that a terrible terrible thing? No, I think Anthony Robinson has a lot. Of promise, he's obviously American, which we are very excited about to have Americans, American toffees in the side. I would love to rock a Robinson jersey, but the most realistic scenario I think is that Leighton Baines decides to accept the one-year extension. Andy Robinson perhaps gets another loan move with you know a higher a higher tier, a high tier Championship side or a low tier Premier League side. If any will have him, just needs to consistently keep getting minutes and improving. But I do think he offers more, obviously, than Baines does as far as pace, offensive contributions, but that defensive contribution still remains kind of a question mark for him, and that's where he really needs to improve. I'll be honest, I didn't watch Robinson enough last season, except for here and there with the men's national team, maybe grab a couple minutes. And so I don't have a huge opinion as to how ready he may or not may not be. I am inclined to say that he would be up for the challenge as the second left back, assuming we're talking about a normal steady season for Luca Dean and, and he's getting the the cup games and you know the odd appearances if Luca Dean needs a rest for whatever reason. But that's always best case scenario for your, you know, for your second best players in each position. And so you may be 
taking a risk if you're if you're hoping that Robinson can solidify that second left back spot. I think Baines is always going to be an asset regardless if he decides to stay, but I think we'll be okay either way. And as you said, I'm going to have to err on the side of optimism and hope that Robinson can make the first team squad as the backup left back so that we have an American on the team sheet in the 18 once again. So Alex, I, I was unclear. Are you are you Baines stay or Baines go? Or which team are you on? I'm Baines stay for me personally. None in all of it. Um, I don't know. I'm so torn because I want Baines to stay. I think he has plenty to contribute. However, I also want Robinson to make it in general at Everton. I think that possibility is extremely slim no matter how you cut it, regardless of what Baines does. But first and foremost, if that means one more year of Baines, then I'll take it. So Baines I think that that's a good take. All right. We're both team Baines stay. Leighton, if you're listening, which you probably are, please stay. He wants that American perspective now that he's stateside. He needs that American toffee, uh, that viewpoint. We'd like you to stay for one more year, Baines. You, you still have a lot to offer. But I, I would also understand if he wants to get regular game time, which he won't get at Everton. So whatever he does, I hope that he does what's best for him. And, and I think it's kind of a win-win for us either way, honestly, depending on what Marco Silva sees in Anthony Robinson. Yeah, I trust his his judgment, right? At the end of the day, Marco Silva is the man with the plan. As everyone always says, he's extremely detail-oriented. And I think that if he believes he can fit Anthony Robinson into the system and he trusts that he works hard enough to you know, iron out the kinks as he goes along, then I'm completely happy with that. And then as you said, I might have to wait till, let's say, April 2021. No, sorry, 2020 and get a Robinson kit like 30% of the normal price. <laughs> I respect that move. I plan ahead. If that does, that's smart. You're really, you're really scheming, man. I respect it. I'm out here. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure bringing you the latest Everton discussion. I'm actually off to Europe on Friday for the next week. I'll be going to Italy and France. Unfortunately, not making the pilgrimage to Goodison quite yet. At least it's the off season. But so I'll be off. Um, I don't know if Alex has anything planned. We may have a week off. We may have may get a guest on to to give you guys some content. Um, but until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.